Hola, and welcome to La Receta, a podcast that highlights the hidden stories of Latinx talent across different industries, used to create awareness and inspire the next generation. I'm your host, Miguel Lopez Ixta. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of La Receta. I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas and a happy New Year's. Today we will be chatting with Rolando Cruz, a longtime friend of mine and mentor who currently works at Nike as a product line manager for soccer apparel. He's going to take us through his journey from coming to the U.S. as a kid, navigating through school, and even working in politics. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of La Receta. Um, today, we have a special guest, um, a, a longtime friend and someone that I really look up to, um, someone that's helped me guide guide my career and guide me through college and like finding a job. Um, Rolando Cruz, he's a product line manager at Nike for soccer apparel. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if you want to introduce yourself really quick. Let, in, let let the audience know a little bit about what you do and yeah. <clears throat> yeah, thank you. First of all, thank you, Miguel, for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure. My name is Rolando Cruz. As Miguel said, I'm a product line manager at Nike. I've been there uh, for the last about seven years. Um, and it's a pleasure for me to have this conversation with you. I think I've been a listener of all of the previous episodes and I'm a big fan of uh, what you're trying to do with this medium and uh, the people that you've had on have been super impressive. So I'm really humbled to that you asked me to to come in and join join that crew. Um, so I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, number one fan? Are you the number one fan? <laughs> I might be. I might be. I'm constantly sharing. I'm I'm sending it Sheesh. to people. Definitely definitely a groupie. Stay. That's what's up. Thanks, bro. I, I really appreciate you having like uh, joining us today. And um, yeah, thank you for your time. Um, yeah, so I guess if we want to get right into the conversation, um, so and like the previous um, episodes, like, you know, we kind of break out um, the conversation into four different parts where we kind of start at the beginning of your life um, about your parents, you know, their origins, where they come from. Um, and then like going to like education, early education, middle school, high school. Um, <clears throat> and then you can touch on college, how your college experience was. And then we really get into like your career. How is it that you started um, your first job, um, any barriers that you had? And then, you know, like mo most recently, like your role at Nike and what is it that, that you do in that role? Yeah, man. Perfect. Perfect. So, yeah, I think um, I'll, I'll just start from the beginning, like you said. Uh, and I think it's important for us to do that, to just establish kind of like where we come from and mm -hmm. uh, the power that that our families have created and, and the resiliency that our, our families kind of have handed down to us. And I think that's very true in my story. Mm -hmm. um, so my mom is from Durango, Mexico, and my dad is from <clears throat> Los Mochis, Sinaloa. They met in Mexico City. Um, my dad uh, was doing some architecture work with some banks in, uh, around Mexico. And my mom, I think, was just like, trying to trying to make ends meet through different jobs and uh supporting the family they they had a decent size size family in mexico city they were really close really connected mm -hmm. uh and then shortly after they met um i came along so 
my my mom and dad continued to live in Mexico City for a while, and then they actually split up. And my mom and I moved to Durango, Mexico with the rest mm. of my family, where we had more family. And then eventually uh, moved, my mom, my mom uh, remarried, and we ended up moving to Tijuana. Tijuana. Um, so when we were in Tijuana, I think my mom's husband was, his family was like involved in the, in the pulga. Ooh. And they would like sell clothes. So apparel has been a part of my life for a while. They would they had like a, a puesto where they sold clothes and um, yeah, similar to like most flea markets, pulgas. Like they were just that's so dope. Grinding, yeah. Um, and I actually don't remember a whole lot of that part. Honestly, I think um, those are pieces that my mom has kind of filled in the <laughs> gaps for me. But that's definitely a part of my journey and a part of my story is that grind. Uh, and kind of moving through uh, the first few years of my life. So mm. like a lot of families, Latino families, Latinx families, um, my mom wanted to, to create a, a better future for me. Mm. Um, at that point, it was just me. So I was the only child for, for a majority of my life. And at one point, she decided that the way to, to create a better future for us was to, to cross the border and come north. Mm. And so um, at a very young age, um, she decided that it was time for us to, to make the trek. And she put me in the back of a car with a family. Um, she told me that family was, uh, was I think, my aunt, uncle, and a cousin. Uh, in wow. fact, they were, they were folks that were obviously hired to help get me across mm -hmm. while she crossed through other means. And I think it's that, that part of my story um, is really important because yes. I... I always, whenever I, I get frustrated at work or I think about the grind that we're in, about being on Zoom calls all the time, it just reminds me that like a lot of sacrifices were made in order for me to be here. Uh, and so I always go back to that moment. I don't have kids, um, but for people that have kids, I think the idea of like leaving your kid with somebody else to to find a better future for them for uh and and knowing that you're sacrificing a lot like that that always means wow. a lot to me that's so powerful thanks for sharing that <clears throat> yeah man yeah so so we make it up to the bay area my mom um we had family in in oakland my grandma was living there and so that's that's where i learned english um i always i always like think about that like my vocabulary was from my early years my esl years um, or ELL, whatever, whatever they called it at your school. That's a squad right there. I was in that too. <laughs> um, how, how, and again, sorry, how old were you when, um, when you got to the Bay area? I was in elementary school when I got to the Bay area. So nice. I, it was like super formative. Um, and you know, living in the Bay area, going to school, it's crazy because, um, all my friends were Brown, Brown mm. and black. Uh, there was such diversity there. <laughs> And so the transition, people always ask me, like, is the transition from Mexico to the U.S., was that really tough? And honestly, I lived in, in Oakland, the community that we were living in at the time. We had family close by. There was tiendas. They were, there was, there was food. There was um, friends and, and uh, like, just people in our lives that looked like us and that were from places where we came from, too. Um, there's such diversity, such rich diversity in that area, um, in Oakland and Hayward, where we, where we lived that I, I, I felt really at home, um, mm. in the first years as, as an immigrant in this country. And so that was really cool. 
but then all all good things come to an end at some point and uh and I say that like tongue in cheek but my mom remarried and and uh her husband was working in construction mm. and we had to move to Portland Oregon because that's where uh there was a lot of new buildings going up a lot of new uh housing developments being created so this is where work was and so his work brought us up to to Portland and this was and, still in elementary uh yeah this is like finishing up elementary school mm. up here um and when i came up here it was like the opportunity for me to to make new friends and to really continue that development uh phase of my life and um it was a culture shock to say the least um i think oregon and and portland specifically uh 15 20 years ago does not did not look like what it looks like today <laughs> and, and even, even now, today yeah. it's not a very diverse yeah exactly today is not a very diverse place so um yeah you can wow. imagine it was a complete culture shock to me to find that you just try to make new friends up here um people that didn't look like me people that didn't understand the immigrant story wow. and where my family came from and so Yeah man that was uh that was a shock to me for sure. Um at the time there was a there's a small squad I don't know if you had this when you were like in elementary middle school but there's like the the squad of like Spanish speaking kids and we just kind of clung together. Yeah. Uh so shout out to like people like um later on in 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 high school people like Jonathan uh my boy Mario like all these people that I grew up with at a very young age that like we showed up here um not really knowing uh what the culture was going to be like at that school and wow. we got in trouble uh <clears throat> together we we figured stuff out together we stuck up for each other we grew up in the apartments um for those people listening that that are familiar with portland like i grew up in clackamas and so we grew up grew up across the street from the clackamas town center from the mall dang so we we you know we were like friends with all the, the kids in the apartments like that was our crew uh that's what's up that's we, dope that's so cool that was that's that's community right and there's a lot of um diversity as the the diversity that was lacking in the elementary school in the middle school and in the high school it all came from the apartments when it when we went back home you got to see the diversity where we live so um there's definitely some community there and and even like sorry to cut you there um and even like now like for me like also like um going to like elementary and stuff like Woodburn, well i mean Woodburn specifically you know they the latino population has been you know like um it's it's been pretty big um it would burn even like a couple years back or when i was in elementary and i can't even imagine how it was like in clackamas or like portland right um where when you know like even now there isn't like as much diversity but um i totally get you where you had like your group of you know like um of group of friends of group of you know like paisanos that you you can say um you hung around with like after school or like at the apartments as well um so that's 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 so cool it's it's so, and it's it's like now that you like you look at it you're like dang you know like um like for me like even though like I work in Portland like I I like going back you know to like to Woodburn and I like uh like keeping in touch with my friends or like going back to the community just because it it kind of helps me stay rooted and you know like 
definitely like whenever there's like a hardship at work or something going on in the big city i'm just like well you know what this is where i came from and it kind of it kind of gives me like empowerment to keep going so thanks for sharing that <clears throat> yeah man absolutely absolutely um and you know one of the i think the the disadvantage of moving to oregon was that we lost that diversity i think the advantage is that i learned to look for diversity hmm. everywhere i went um, because there wasn't a lot of it here. So, you know, in, in, in Oakland, as diverse as it was, our community was really Latino based, like very Mexican based actually. Um, but mm. when we came up here, like it was basically the, the disclaimer was like, if you're not white, like you're in our crew yeah. and not because, not because we didn't want to include people, but it was just like, we had commonalities, like the Asian kids that went to my school, <laughs> the the black kids and the brown kids, we just kind of had to stick together because there wasn't a lot of us. So we yeah. all kind of fed off of each other's energy. Um, so my, my group of, of high school friends was not, um, there wasn't a ton of Latin, there was some Latinos at my school, but my group of high school friends was like this really eclectic group of guys um, that were all into a couple things. One was like hip hop music. Um, at the time, like we were just like, yeah, like people were making beats, people were spitting, spitting lyrics. Did you like, spit? It was a little bit of everything. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was like, I was like the hype man in the, in the background. Um, and then at some point, like a, a bunch of those guys were break dancers, and so then then we had uh, in middle school. I remember we had this this crew called the Lucky Seven. Oh, uh, and that was like that was the breaking crew. So we were all b boys. Um, so like hip hop has been a big part of my upbringing and things that something that I really love and I kind of miss. Like I, I've fallen out of touch with those guys, and I miss um, that connection to that that part of the culture through through those friendships and i think a few of them are still in like the music scene in portland and so that's been really dope to follow their journeys and and kind of things that they've done in the last few years that's been really fun that's cool that's awesome dang yeah the good old days um yeah so you got to college um you're going through college and you know you said you mentioned there there wasn't a lot of you know like latinos but you had like your own group and uh you hung around with them um and Talking about like, or thinking about like going to college was, was that always in, you know, like in your mind when you were going through high school? <clears throat> I'm going to, I'm going to back up just a little bit. Um, Cause I think there's a really crucial thing that happened to me in high school. That is a, an important part of my story too, which is um, I told you how I, how I came to the U S mm -hmm. and so for a majority of my life, I was undocumented uh, while I was living <clears throat> in the U S Mm -hmm. And um, in high school, aside from when I had free time from b-boying and, and hanging out with the hip hop heads, uh, I was actually a runner. So I ran cross country and track and I also played soccer in high school. And I always tell people I, I was a, a terrible soccer player, but I love the sport. I was a decent runner. And that was the only thing that allowed me to run up and down the line uh, on the wing was just Sheesh. the fact that, that I could run. Um, and so my, uh, when I got older, um, I started, I started to think about college and what that would look like. And I would have been, and I was the first person in my, in my high school, in my family to go to college. Mm. Um, but when I, I knew that I was undocumented and I knew that I needed a social security number in order to make it, make it happen. 
Um, so I always thought in the back of my head that a lot of that wasn't going to come through for me. Mm. Um, and so part of me, I was never the smartest kid. Uh, I mean, book smart. I was never like a straight A student. Uh, and I, and I feel like part of that reason was because, um, there's a little bit of doubt about what the future was going to lie for me in terms of like being undocumented. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one day out of the blue, I get this call from this dude and he's like, Hey, I'm your dad. I live in San Diego and I want to meet you. And so I actually, uh, flew wow. down to San Diego and I spent a week with this dude wow. with my dad, with my dad and his wife. And, um, just kind of got to know him like it was it was is weird meeting a stranger that is your father for the first time and his wife was like what do you want to do do you want to go to college do you want to what's your plan and i was like um i i don't know like i I, i'm undocumented basically and i know that you need all that in order to go to college and uh i came back to portland and long story short uh my dad and my stepmom ended up adopting me on paper so that wow. I could get my green card, so that I could get a social security number, so that I could later on apply to college um, and go to school and do all the things that, I, that I'll share with you after that um, are because of that moment in that part of my life. Wow. Wow. That's like, that's so, you know, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to see that and beautiful for you, you know, like to like, you know, like spend time with him and have the opportunity to like pursue, you know, like college and higher education. Wow. That's so crazy. I don't even know what to say. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, after, after that, like the doors opened up, you know, I, I told you I was, I was a decent runner. Um, I started to get some, some offer letters. My high school counselor, shout out to Aggie drove me out to a school in Idaho, um, to, to try out for a cross country team. Um, that fell through. So I ended up going to a community college for my, um, for my first year of college. I went to Mount Hood Community <clears throat> College. I ran track and cross country, got nice. my first year paid for. And then there was an opportunity to go play soccer at a, at a small liberal art school in, uh, in Portland. So I ended up playing soccer in Scot- in, in college again. I wasn't the best player, but I had fun and it was a good way to get a little bit of money for college and to to just meet people and, and make friendships that I still have to this day. What and what college was that? It was called Cascade College. It ended up shutting down my senior year. Uh so our senior year they called us into the gymnasium and they're like, Hey, uh we are shutting down What the fuck? Oh yeah. shit. They're like, We're shutting down uh so yeah good luck uh on your next steps here's a bunch of schools that might be able to take you that your credits will transfer to so my degree is actually from a school in oklahoma called oklahoma christian university Mm. and um that's where the college is able to like get accredited to give us our degrees uh, at the end of the day, and it was yeah, it was wild. Like that's crazy. None of us were like, some people went to Oklahoma to finish school. Some people stayed in Portland. Uh, <clears throat> some went to to other local schools. Uh, it was it was crazy. Um, but the good thing about it is, I don't know if you uh, if you ever receive calls from your college asking you for money. 
Yeah, I've never received a call from. <laughs> I've never received a call from my. <laughs> I get those calls like every, like at the end of every semester, at the beginning of every semester, I think, all the no time. Escolo. No escolo. <laughs> you got to give them some money, bro. I have a label. Don't answer. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man! Dang! So wow, that's crazy. So, yeah, you gotta you gotta laugh about it at this point. Yeah. But, um, so after that, I. Um, one of the guys that played on the soccer team uh, was a little bit older than me. And he was like, hey, I just I just got hired on at this nonprofit to, like, run a soccer program. And I need I need some help. And so I went and worked for him. Uh, and we worked together. Oh, on sorry. And sorry to back up a little. Um, what, yeah, so yeah. what did you study in college? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, so I, my major was in communications. Okay, nice. Um. Yeah, so that was I think my ma- minor is in English, and I <laughs> I don't remember. I can't believe it's from that one. <laughs> That's how old I am, bro. Now you good, bro? <laughs> um, yeah. So I education was was a big deal. Um, just to back up, like like graduating from college, being the first person in my family to graduate from college was a really big deal for everybody, for a lot of people. And I give credit to, you know, my dad, my stepmom, my mom for making that, that sacrifice to bring us here in the first place. Yeah. Mentors, that high school counselor, Aggie, that drove me and inspired me to, to pursue education, all that stuff. Like, that's where it comes from. That's where that that's where it eclipsed was like me graduating and getting that degree. Um, and what like at that point when when you're receiving that degree, like what was running through your head? Like the emotions that you were feeling like was there anything or did you like not feel it until like after like a couple months um after you had graduated it was it's a balance of like excitement um i remember i remember like looking at my mom's face and seeing like the emotion that she was overcome with uh that was really important to me i have two little sisters two older sisters i guess now they're not little anymore Mm -hmm. one's uh one's 21 the other one's 23 um and a little brother that's that's 10 20 years younger than me so mm. um he was i don't think he was around and if he was around he was he was uh it, he was a baby at the time mm. but i i just remember like seeing them and being excited for them and seeing the look in their eyes too like it was it was a family thing it was like the whole family earned that degree it wasn't just yeah. me and that was, I think, um, yeah, that was that was super dope to like be able to experience that with people that have been there, to see me struggle through. Man, like, there's so many college stories of like things that I had to do. Um, my wife hates it. I'm married um, to my wonderful wife Araceli, and mm-hmm. she hates it when I tell the stories about like some of the things that I had to do when I was in college. Um, because I was like, while I was in college, I played on the soccer team. I worked at Mexicana at the airport oh. um, at night. And then I sold TVs uh, on the weekends at Sears. So like, wow, that, I had no social life while I was in college. And it was all because I needed to pay for school. I needed to pay for transportation for my apartment, for food. And there's there's definitely days where like, the food I had was the dollar menu at Taco Bell. And like, nobody knows that, that story. Uh, nobody knew that at the time. Um, but mm-hmm. there's definitely days where like my, my college roommate, like had to spot me for rent a couple times. Um, 
So shout wow. out to Anthony for, for having my back. Shout and, out Anthony. <laughs> Anthony having my back. Yeah. And like, and just eating like off of the dollar menu at Taco Bell. Like that was the reality. Having, having like a, a chalupa before I went to soccer practice because that's what I could afford. And that was wow. my fuel to get me through practice. So those are stories that, that only a few people know. I guess more people know now, but, um, at the time, it didn't feel like it was a moment of pride, but now I look back on that, and moments like that just remind me that yeah. I can do whatever, whatever set in front of me, you know. A hundred percent. Wow, that's. Thank you for sharing that again. Um, sorry, baby's crying in the back. Oh, good. <laughs> I think he, good. I think he's it's listening. I think he's listening. A, <laughs> dile, dile, dile que no llore. Dile que no llore. The story gets better. <laughs> Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, so so this guy that I used to play with, um, he just got hired on to run a non-profit or, or hired on on a non-profit to run a soccer program. Yeah, so you played soccer. You know how expensive the sport is 100%. And in the U.S. And so a lot of the times Latino kids in in the state can't afford it. Like, you could be good, but yep. you you don't get to develop those skills because you can't play at a club, right? 100%. Um, and so our goal was basically, like, how do we open the doors for kids to be able to play? Um, and then we started out, the organization that we were working for wanted us to really focus on young men. Mm -hmm. But, you know, with Latinos, like, we rolled deep. So it was like yeah like let's let's get little boys playing but then like the sisters would come along so we started women's teams we started co-ed teams um and what we would do is we would go to like we worked all the way from woodburn uh-huh all the way up to vancouver Whoa. and then all the way to hood river all the way to like the coast so that wow. was like the box of all the all the kids that we worked with and uh we'd basically go to soccer leagues and like talk to kids and coaches and that that sunday league mm -hmm. you know it was like well the adult leagues on sunday the kids play on saturday yeah so we'd roll up to the fields on saturday and like basically get the kids like their cards so that they could play for the state or like get them registered with like the state yeah so that they could go and play at like big tournaments that OYSA, that, yeah, that OYSA card yep. exactly, that Oregon Youth Soccer Association, Association card. Yep. And there's a couple of things that that got that, that having that card allowed them to to play in those big tournaments with the rich sub, like kids from the suburbs, West that were Side, that, like, all those clubs, West Side, East Side, FC Portland. So it allowed them to first of all participate in those tournaments, and second of all it got them insurance mm -hmm. um, because when you're playing in that Saturday league, if you get hurt and your family doesn't have insurance and you're kind of on your own. But yep. when we were running this program, it allowed them to get uh, hazard insurance. So it was like in a, in a dire case of emergency, uh, the state like OISA would cover some of that medical cost, That's which awesome. is really important for families yeah. that are just trying to, to, to make ends meet. So, that was super fun, man. I That was three years of my life where I was grinding. Like, um, I I know how to paint a soccer field. I know how to ref a soccer game. I know Woo! how to train. I know how to train adults on youth development programs. I know how to write a grant. I know how to cold call people to ask them for money. Dang. Um, 
I did it all. We did it all between the two of us and a bunch of volunteers and parents. We did it all, bro. And it was that's so cool. A really, really fun stage of my life um, that I wouldn't go back to because it was a grind. <laughs> but but it's nice to remember it. It's nice to remember it. <laughs> damn, even just like you mentioning all those things, I'm like, damn, bro. Like that's crazy. Like thinking about all the kids too. That's wild. Yeah, I think when we when we <clears throat> finished that program, we both left. The, uh, around the same time i think i stuck around for another six months and when we left um there was about three to four thousand kids somewhere in that range that were registered oh. with the with the program all the way from like u7 to u18 so like Whoa. under 18 to like u7 we had we had teams and not all of them were competing at the state level some of them were just like playing those saturday tournaments yeah um but but yeah man we we were grinding to to make all that stuff happen that's awesome and um, who who was the um the nonprofit? yeah so that's a that's an interesting story um we the the nonprofit. i'm pausing because i'm like how do i spin this but you can't <laughs> it was the boy scouts of america oh um, okay and the reason the reason why it's important to, to say that is because um, they've been in the news lately for some negative stuff. Uh, but at the time, the, the, the membership for the Boy Scouts of America was primarily comprised of kids that would go camping and mm. would go, and it was boys, right? It was like all boys and then <clears throat> older, 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 older girls, um, that would par participate in these programs. And they wanted to diversify their membership one and, and get kids of color to get an interest in camping. And so we initially started the program by trying to get Latino kids and traditional Boy Scouts. And um, I remember this meeting clearly. We were out in Forest Grove and we were meeting with a group of parents and my coworker and I were talking to these parents and one of the dads raised his hand and he was like, Rolando, <laughs> nosotros trabajamos en el campo de lunes a viernes. Y el sábado me quieres llevar a acampar otra vez? <laughs> and I was like, Fuck. he's absolutely right. He's yeah. absolutely right. And so we basically flipped it. And we, we told the, the Boy Scouts, like, hey, we, we'll, we'll do this type of work for you, but we need, we need to do it through a different vehicle. Mm -hmm. Like, we're not going to go camping. We're not going to build fires. Um, we're going to play soccer because that's what these kids wow. are dying to play and they can't because they can't afford it. And we'll develop a curriculum because we did to teach them about respect, to teach them about, um, <clears throat> fair play, I to teach that. leadership skills. Um, so we, it was weird. Cause like we, we weren't doing any boy scout stuff, but like that was the organization that was paying us. And that was like our fiscal sponsor throughout this whole program. Um, and then after we left, they, you know, we were doing a lot. We were, like I said, we were painting fields, we were writing grants, we were asking for money and they couldn't really find anybody that could grind at that level. And the, oh. the program fell apart. So, um, which is unfortunate because I think the need is still there. <laughs> yeah, Soccer 100%. continues to be expensive. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, and so after you left, uh, what was your next move? So after three years of painting soccer fields, uh, 
I was I was tired, man. I needed a break. Um and I started networking with people in Portland and that was my first experience of like networking. Like mm. I didn't really know what that meant. Um mm-hmm. that first job was just based off of a, a friendship that I had in college and mm-hmm. <clears throat> then I it was time to grind. It was time to like meet people and, and I was a young professional and trying to meet people around Portland and um I met this man who was really well connected to people in Portland and he was like, Hey, have you ever thought about politics? Hmm. And I was like, no, man, like I can't even vote. Like <laughs> I'm still a U.S. resident. Yeah. Um, I can't even vote. And he's like, well, I want you to go meet uh, this commissioner at the County. Uh, her name is Deborah Kafori. And she's not the, she's now the chair of Multnomah County. And, and, uh, I met with her and her chief of staff and, um, somebody else in the office and mm-hmm. I ended up getting a job there, man. So my, my job oh. after that nonprofit was working in politics for Multnomah County, uh, for, for a, a couple of years. I think I was there for a couple of years. That's, that's a crazy switch. <laughs> yeah. From- yeah. 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 And, and while I was doing that, um, <clears throat> I was also, it's important to note that I was also trying to get to Nike. So I was like trying to talk to people. Uh, when I learned this whole networking thing and people would ask me, what do you want to do next? I'd tell them I want to be a Nike. And like everywhere I went, people knew that that's where I wanted to mm. be. Um, but there, there wasn't a lot of movement. I wasn't meeting the right people. It wasn't really going anywhere. Um, and one of the things that I noticed while I was doing all that is that when I talked to people at Nike, they would always allude to the fact that a lot of people getting hired there at the time, uh, young people had master's degrees from some like pretty prestigious schools. Mm. And I was like, all right, well, I, I don't have that prestigious school background, yeah. but I think it's time for me to expand my schooling. And so... Mm. I was actually still at the at the nonprofit um, when I started to pursue grad school. So I went to to Warner Pacific University for grad yes. school, another small liberal arts school here in Portland. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And um, I I started doing so I between at, this is at the end of it, but like painting fields and going to grad school and writing grants and that was a new grind. The grind um, don't stop. It don't the grind stop. Does not stop, man. The grind does not stop. Dang, that's crazy. And what I'm assuming it was your, for your MBA that you went. Yeah, yeah, it was a master's in uh, management and organizational okay. leadership. And I, I'm really glad. I'll never, I'll never regret getting my my master's degree. But I will say that um, I wish that I would have had more work experience when I got it, mm. um, because there's a lot of older people in the in the cohort with me that had a lot of work experience. I could they learn a theory or a concept and they turn around and say, Oh, I'm going to take this to work tomorrow and like apply it. Ah, or, that's interesting. And I didn't have that. Like I was, I was 20, 22, 23, something yeah, like 23, 24 when I was doing that. And so it's, it's, I always tell people like try to get a little bit of work experience before you jump into it. But definitely um, I, I would highly encourage getting that graduate degree. It never hurts um to have and i've never regretted having that cool um and so then when when you're uh um when you start you know like your career i guess you can say like in politics um how was that like what exactly were you doing um it was a lot of like at first it was just picking up the phone i was a phone dude 
so people would call and and be like hey uh i want to talk to the commissioner um i was i was basically like scheduling um and fielding phone calls and <clears throat> taking requests in and then that evolved into managing the newsletter for that she would send out to all their constituents and then it evolved into um working on 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 some really important policy issues around mm. uh ed, like education after school programs um that's awesome and i worked on some really cool uh domestic violence initiatives on um domestic violence prevention and education of um we were working on we partnered with a nonprofit to work on this program called coaching boys into men which mm. talked about like how domestic violence and respect towards women really really popped off mm. at it, like you could really address it in a in a sports setting with men with young men and how to give coaches the tools <clears throat> to address those types of issues uh in the public school system wow that's awesome dang that's so cool i i i honestly didn't know you did all, all that stuff <laughs> Thank. And so you're um so you continue networking um and you said you spent a couple years here right um yeah so that's actually around the time that I met you oh was it yeah 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 because I met you when I was a senior in high school and this is when when I was graduating through uh yeah when I was graduating and the, and I was part of the Axix Academy. Um, I think that's when I initially met you and Enrique, um, Adam. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. Th this so, was like in 2013. Yeah. So I um, just, I think just to back up on that one a little bit, like I, through this networking, I met uh, a lot of really cool people in Portland. And one of the people I met was this, this guy named Ben Sand, who mm. had this nonprofit uh, that was that had a program called Act Six that was basically helping students pay for their educations at two of the schools in the area, right? So yep. you were one of those students. You were one of those amazing leaders in the community that benefited from that program. Shout out to and Ben San. Ben San. Shout out to Ben. Yeah, that's right. Um, so he actually. Um, invited me to do some trainings at Warner Pacific um, to work with, with you guys as you were like developing into the program to come mm -hmm. into your freshman year. So I did that for a couple of years. And through that process, I met this incredible woman named Pamela Ryan. Mm -hmm. um, and Pamela invited me to breakfast one day and she was like, um, hey, uh, like I want to hear your story. I heard you have a really interesting story. So I shared my story similar to what I shared with you. And she asked me if I wanted to stay in politics. I remember this conversation really clearly. And I was like, no, politics are cool. Like I've, I've I'm learning a lot and uh -huh. I'm enjoying what I'm doing, but it's not for me. It's not the vibe. It's not the long term. <laughs> it's not the goal. I've actually been trying to get to Nike for a really long time. And she was kind of sneaky, bro. She didn't tell me she, she didn't say, Oh, she didn't say anything, but a little bit later after we met, uh -huh. she hit me up and was like, Hey, I didn't tell you this, but I've actually worked at Nike my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, she's like, I retired and, um, they've asked me to come back 
to run run a specific part of the business and mm-hmm. I don't have the power to hire anybody in my role but I I want to connect you with some people that um, wow. might be able to tell you about some opportunities so that's awesome that started a whole nother process uh, and a new new chapter in my life whoa it's crazy Pamela shout out to Pamela too yeah that's right that's right Dang. cool that's awesome so, uh-huh. go ahead no what were you gonna say I was just gonna ask uh, what, like, how those like connections started developing. I guess. <clears throat> well, it it was like a year long process after she started connecting me to people, and I had, I had like three interviews at Nike, hmm. and the first one was like, no, thank you for thank you for playing, but no, thank you. Hmm. Uh, we have we have other people in the pipeline that we want to hire. The second one was like, ah, we we think you need. X, Y, and Z. Like, I think they told me I needed Excel experience and they needed, and I needed, uh, experience with large systems. I was in a, I was applying for an analyst role oh, Okay. and I was still working at the County. So, you know, a lot of the work, I mean, the County's huge. A lot of the work that people were doing at the County, I involved large systems. So it was mm. just a matter of me speaking into that work and showing that I was doing that in some sort of fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Excel, like, it, it was just about pulling up some YouTube videos and, <laughs> and uh, plugging into PCC to wow. try to figure out like what this Excel thing. And to be, to be fair, I didn't have any Excel experience. Like I knew how to open it and then you yeah. had to close it. That was about it. <laughs> um, Dang. But every yeah. time they told me no, I would just come back with no, like, okay, I get why you told me no, but here's what I did. <laughs> That's awesome. And, I was very sure that that's where I wanted to be and that's what I wanted to do. Um, so, so I pursued it. And eventually, seven years ago, I got hired at, um, at Nike as an analyst. That's awesome. And how, how um, like, I guess if you can talk a little bit, bit about like your analyst role and then the upcoming roles that you started, um, you know, like moving into. Yeah. Um, so the first job I had at Nike was basically – um, analyzing the the data, inputting data that basically tracks uh, the 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 product that we make. Hmm. So if you look at any anything, it's not even Nike product. Like literally anything um, on the inside or when you buy it, it has a UPC code, mm-hmm. and that UPC code holds all the information that says what color it is, where it was manufactured, how much it costs. All of that stuff um, gets created at the end of the process. Um, at the beginning of the process is somebody inputting literally every piece of information into a system internal mm-hmm. to Nike. Um, and I worked on NFL product. And I think if you would have asked me, what's the one sport that you don't know much about, it would have been the NFL. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's where I started. And it was dope because I got to yeah. learn a lot about a sport that I didn't know much about. And I kind of like, um, started to love the sport and, and learn, um, the ins and outs of mm. American football, which is a sport that I didn't really grow up with. Yeah. I, I personally don't really know like crazy much about NFL either. Yeah. So it was, it was just a good experience to like learn about the sport. Um, so I did that for two years and then, uh, I really wanted to continue to, to pursue product creation and, and, when I say product creation, it's like essentially a product manager role where your role is 
uh, to be the project manager for the, the product creation process. So you're leading a timeline of anywhere from six to 18 months mm. of how Nike creates product. And there's what I would call a junior role, an associate role. Uh, that was my next natural step that I really wanted to pursue. So I did that in men's training. Mm. Um, so Nike Pro, like the, the base layer uh tights and compression tops that you would normally wear when you play any sport or when you're in the gym that was a product that i was working on and it was super fun again um i'm i'm like a distance runner distance runner body i haven't spent a day in the gym in my life uh i've always been on the track and so it was cool to like experience workout culture and like crossfit learn about crossfit and this is like completely different area that I didn't know anything about. Dang, that that's awesome. Um, and was there, I guess, like how how was it like a big culture change when you went from politics to like working at Nike and then like going through like these different roles? Was there ever like a time where you like felt stuck or there was just like you know burdens that that you had along the way um, at Nike? <clears throat> Yeah, that's a really good point, man. I think there's there's hurdles along the way that come with being a first generation anything. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I remember my first job out of out of college when I was working at that nonprofit. They my first day on, at work, they gave me like a handbook, and they're like, "Read this," and then like sit in front of this computer <laughs> and take these tests and read this, Dang. and it was very like. It was like use your brain and not your your strength. Mm. And that was new to me because I've gone to work with my dad before, my stepdad, and he works in construction. Mm-hmm. And like for a long time in my life, what I knew of work was like manual labor. Mm-hmm. And any time that I, that I knew about work, it was always like manual, like lift this, put this over there, do this. And like, mm-hmm. um, so I felt like sometimes I felt like I was stealing and there was like this imposter syndrome of, of I don't belong here. And then there was also this feeling of, am I doing my job? Like, am I actually contributing? Um, because it doesn't wow. like, I'm not sweating basically. 100%. I'm, I'm thinking and I'm exhausted from like using my brain, but it's a different type of work that mm-hmm. I hadn't seen before as a young professional working in government adds another layer to that, right? Like it's this huge system that, um, traditionally, based on being undocumented, I'd never had access to before. Mm. And now I'm in, I'm in the system. I'm in, I'm in like, I'm at the table. I'm at the, at the top table of government meeting with people that are making decisions, policies, laws that impact our community and the places that we come from. And that in itself was, uh, elevated imposter syndrome for sure. So another, another opportunity for me to learn. And then being at Nike, um, it was crazy. I'd never been around so many competitive, athletic, driven people. Like that's mm. which which would be a, a easy way to describe me. Like competitive. I love sports. Um, I love competition. I feed off of that. And there was just like twelve thousand people at that campus that all kind of had that vibe to them. Whoa. In different ways, there's introverts, there's extroverts, there's uh, different cultural backgrounds, there's different um, 
ways of working but like mm-hmm. at the core i think everybody really uh enjoys the competitive nature of of the company and we have a lot of fun doing the work so that was a bit of a culture shock in a positive way i was like i fit in here like this is really fun i love coming to work every day and uh yeah so i feel i feel very very lucky that i get to do that dang that's awesome um and so after after you you started working in men's training how long were you in that role for I was in there for about two years. Um, I think you even helped me with with a project while I was there. I remember uh, that. I don't know if you remember that, yeah, yeah. we we went uh, to the Hillsborough Stadium after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had so the was... um, where did we stop? We because we were hungry. I was really hungry. We had like a a chicken sandwich from um, Carl's Jr. I remember. I was like, oh, I can't really run. <laughs> You got to feel the body. You got to feel the body <laughs> for that game. We had it. Yeah, it was fun playing on that team with those guys. Um, and then and then I, I got a call and somebody was like, hey, uh, I remember when I worked with you in, in the NFL, um, you said that you you like soccer. We have an open role on the team. Do you want to apply? Do you want to put your name in the hat? And I was like, yeah, like done. So... About three years ago, uh-huh. I uh, I started working in, in what we call global football apparel, mm. which is uh, soccer. And I work with clubs and federations across the world um, to kind of create their their football apparel, their soccer apparel That's that they'll awesome. wear on, on the field. That's so cool. Um, are you able to share like any of the teams that you, you work with? Yeah, man, absolutely. So I work with right now um, – yeah, like uh, right now I'm working with um, the two teams that we have in Mexico, uh, Pumas, America. Uh, I manage the the apparel for the U.S. national team, um, which is that's more recent and it's been really fun to work on that project. Um, I manage. Uh, I'm also right now managing uh, the apparel for Brazil oh. uh, for the federation. Um, there's another team we have in Brazil called Corinthians, yep. uh, also working with them. That's awesome. Um, there's a team in Peru called Alianza Lima, and then another one in uh, Medellin called Atletico Nacional in Colombia. That's awesome. That's so cool. And, then, and the last one uh, is a hometown team, so I work with uh, the Thorns as well. I'm working with the Thorns right now. Ooh, dang, that's dope. That's a lot of teams. <laughs> yeah man it's a lot it's a lot it's been and there's others that i've managed along the way we sh- we tend to shift every now and then and so i've worked with with a bunch of other teams and it's been it's been really uh rewarding and really fun to do that work that's awesome and so like i guess like so you you help with the creation of like the uniforms um is are you able to like touch a little bit more of like what is it like kind of like your day-to-day or like kind of like your quarter, your timeline looks like? <clears throat> yeah. Um, so when you work in a sport like the NFL, the the timeline is very clear, right? Because it you know when the NFL season starts and you mm-hmm. know when it ends. And in, in football and soccer, like it's so global. Yeah. And when when one team isn't playing, another team is playing, right? Like there's yeah. there's a game on seven days a week, whether it's Champions League, uh, friendly, uh, Liga MX, Liga MX, like whatever league, like there's a game every day of the 100%. week. Hundred percent. 
<clears throat> so the day to day, I wouldn't say that we have like a specific open and close because we're always working on something. But um, the day to day is really managing the the process and the cre the creation of the product um, over X amount of months, depending on mm. what our timeline is. So I work with a team of incredible designers, um, really super talented designers that uh, help help us bring to life briefs and stories that we're mm. able to tell through product creation. So um, we'll we'll work with a club and with a, a team locally to develop a story <laughs> and to figure out what the story they want to tell for that That's season awesome. is. So pick a club whatever they might say you know it's our 50th anniversary of our of this championship and we want to tell that story and so together i work with the designer uh to develop that story to kind of create a collection around it that wow. is made up of jerseys and um, stuff that fans will want to wear to the stadium and training apparel for the team to train in and then there's a little bit of art and science to it. So like the art, obviously design brings that portion of it and the science we work with the factories and with other partners to develop the product and to make sure that it's, it's like what the athletes actually need. So, mm. um, a lot of sampling and protos and back and forth with clubs and with, uh, with factories to make sure that we're making what's best for the athlete. And, um, I would, I would describe it as like, I need to know a little bit about a lot of things, but I'm not an expert. I work with people that are experts that are incredible at their crafts and what they do. Um, so whenever you see me post something on IG, like it's, I had, I had a portion of, of bringing that story to life. Like mm -hmm. really there's a huge team behind all of that work, um, that, that brings those stories to life. Dang. That's awesome. That's so cool. Um, and I think like, when you think about like uniforms and like even like the like the crests that um the a lot of like the teams have there's like a lot of I mean a lot of people know but there are also like a lot of people that don't you know like miss out like on the whole story that that these uniforms are trying to tell or you know like um the things that that signify like different things within the uniform um so that's that's awesome to hear um is there one specific uniform that you, the like over your, the years that you've worked on that um you've liked the most? Um, I would say that um, there's, I think they're all really cool because I'm a, I'm a fan of the sport, but <clears throat> this season right now, uh, Pumas and Club America are both playing in the first, basically the first collection that I got to to work on open the clothes. And there's something really special about that collection for me because those those two collections for me, because being in the U.S., you get to experience soccer in a different way. Mm. And for a lot of us uh, watching Liga and Mekis in the U.S. and watching those teams in Mexico, like there's a lot of nostalgia to it. And yeah. for you see like the way our families react to those teams and the stories they tell about those teams. And even if you don't like, I don't know, pick a team, um, you still have a story about that team and or mm. about that city, right? Because there's so many, they're representative of so many places. So if you're a, if you're a Pumas fan and Pumas is playing Guadalajara, 
um, you're still going to be invested in that because maybe you're from Guadalajara or maybe yeah. you have family in Guadalajara. And so there's this like something really special about uh, how soccer and the Mexican culture is connected. And for a long <clears throat> time, not being able to go to Mexico, soccer has been a, a connection to my culture mm, and to my background. I love that. And so seeing those jerseys on the pitch uh, for the first time, was like super emotional, super, Dang. super emotional and um, something really special for me. That's awesome. Whoa. I, I can't even, I can't even imagine like your reaction, like when you first see, like saw them, like, lo- like um, premiere those, uh, those kids in the field. So that's, that's awesome. Congrats. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thank you. Um, cool. So I guess like looking forward, um, you know, like with COVID this year and um, the crazy 2020 that we've had. Um, looking forward, do you have like any specific goals that you want to reach or like any other um, any other um, roles that you might want to like, you know, like try out or like um, just learn more about um, in the future? <clears throat> um, man, there's so much. I think... Um... COVID, COVID has kind of made me focus on the present, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Like I've, I really slowed down uh, a little bit in the sense of like, I just want to be present. I want to appreciate what I have right now. Uh, for a long time, I've been grinding to get to the next place uh, for a, a long part of my life. And for once, I feel like, um, like I made it to a goal that I'd been working to for a long time. Working in soccer at Nike is specifically one of the goals that I've had for as long as I can remember. Now that I'm here, I just, I want to take it in for a minute, Mm -hmm. uh, which I feel like I've been able to do the last three years. And to your point, like definitely start working, start working towards what comes next. And I, I would love to have an international experience. Mm. I think, making friends in Brazil and in Europe and, and obviously in Mexico city, like it's been really fun to work with other cultures and with other um, places in the world. And I would love to have an international experience at some point. So that's definitely on my radar. Um, uh, Just to, just to have that as, as something that I've done in my life. um, That's definitely a short term goal, but at the same time, um, one of the reasons why I love having these types of conversations is because while I'm here, I want to get as many of us in as possible. Mm. Us being anybody that um, has a passion for sport, has a, has, has an attitude of like, um, of getting after it, of that hustle. um, And that traditionally hasn't been in organizations like Nike or like, the the county or in the nonprofit sector like you know graduating yeah. from college is dope like that's cool but like you gotta you gotta pay back those loans at some point if you have 100%. them and it's all about what's that next step and how do we open the doors for people that are coming after us whoa i feel that 100 percent. dang um dude well thank you so so much for for sharing your story um we we got to like the last section um, of the podcast where um, I just ask you about, you know, like, what's your receta? So la receta, what's your receta? Um, what are the ingredients, you know, that, that go into to your dish? What are the ingredients in your recipe um, that you think would benefit, like, people hearing this and 
that have benefited you to get you to where you are now. <clears throat> yeah, man. I I've been thinking about this since you told me you were gonna kick kick this uh, podcast off, uh, <laughs> and so I, I think there's there's three things that are really important to where I've gotten to in life and and my receta. And I think the first one is the hustle. Um, mm. I that's been a part of my family's journey. It's been a part of my journey, and it will continue to be a part of my journey of that hustle. I've never been the most book smart person in the room. Um, but I've always had that grind and, mm. and that tenacity to figure things out. Um, the second one is treating people with respect. Mm. Um, the world is small now that I've, that, that I've gotten to travel a little bit, I realize how small the world is and how we're all connected. And mm. I realize that, um, it's very important to treat people with respect because you never know. Yeah what what doors and not not with the intent of like benefiting from it but just from doing the right thing and like yeah. being a good person because you never know how that's going to come full circle down the road and then the last thing is just saying yes to unknown opportunities um mm. i didn't know anything about politics i didn't know anything about the nonprofit sector i didn't know anything about being an analyst at nike but i said yes to it and it's gotten me some incredible experiences um like mentoring college students um, like being on the board of, of a university, like, uh, meeting incredible friends and, and just taking the risk of trying something new. So I think those three things are part of what make up my receta. Whoa. Thanks, bro. I really, really appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess if you have any, any last words or anything else you want to share, um, if not, um, thank you so much for for joining me in the podcast and I really, really appreciate you sharing your story um, with us. <clears throat> of course, man. No, I, I think the last thing I'll say is just thank you so much for having me on. Um, you know, I'm a big, a big, a big Miguel fan. And Ooh. if there's anything else that I can help with as we move forward, um, you know, you're my boy and like any, anything else, I'm, I'm happy to do this project and I'm excited to see it grow and, and see who else you're going to bring on here. Cause I think, just wait, <laughs> I think you have some tricks up your, I think you have some tricks up your sleeve. So I'm excited to see how this all plays out. Yeah, for um, sure, bro. Well, thank you so much. Um, enjoy the holidays, spend some time with the fam and be safe, bro. It's crazy out here. You too, my guy. Take care. <laughs>